Take your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 18. So. You know, we've uh, 20 years since 9-11. And for those of us that are old enough, we remember exactly where we were when we started to see on the TV or whatever and ask the question, what's going on and is this really happening? And you know, in the next few days, I think there was a lot of groaning and a lot of sighing. And everybody here deals with emotional things or hard things in their lives in different ways. Some of you are like, I'm not naming names because I'm not pointing anybody, but some of you may be very verbal when you get upset. You may throw things or get mad. Some of you, or maybe like me, you stew and you just kind of let it build up or, or those kind of things. You all have different ways we deal with very hard things. I know I'm a sire, and the word sigh, I think, goes with groaning too. And the name of today's sermon is The Glorious Groan. And we're going to, your, your points are going to be spelled out with the word hope, H-O-P-E, but I want you to groan with hope. You say, why would I want to groan at all? Well, we need to understand that we are in an atmosphere in life where we're designed to be groaning right now. And the question is, are we going to groan with no hope and groan in despair, or are we going to groan with the hope of God? And so, you know, a groan is an audible expression of physical, emotional, or spiritual pain. An audible expression of physical, emotional, or spiritual pain. And, you know, I feel like, you know, and maybe the older I get, I understand the peace of God in the midst of really bad situations. Um, but I feel, especially right now, and I'm not even talking about 9-11, and I feel my life is good, I feel I'm blessed, I know that God is in my life, but I just feel like more and more there are things that just make me groan all the time. And they hurt. And yet I have the peace of God. That's your pastor. I'm sure you deal with those things too. And so the groans of life, you know, how, do we, how are we delivered from them? And like I said, you have a choice whether you're going to despair and you're going to hope in things that are going to end or you're going to hope in God who's eternal. And so we want to groan in hope. And that groaning in hope means that we endure with confidence. I know it's bad. I know I don't like this. But I know God is good. And I know He wins. And if we know Him, we know that we'll be with Him. So the goal when we groan in hope is enduring with confidence and assurance and hope. So it's how we groan. And we can see how to do this in Romans. You know, the verses before this, we, Paul talks about you're saved, you're secure, you're adopted. If you realize you're a sinner, you believe Christ died and rose from the dead, uh, was buried and rose from the dead for your sins, and you accept his salvation in your life, his righteousness, then you're saved, you're secure, you're adopted, and you're waiting. And when we're saved, we're like a kid that's waiting at the orphanage, his bag's packed, the adoption paper's in hand, waiting for the Father. If you know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that's us. 
And so none of us like to wait, and we're in a society now where we don't have to wait as much, and it doesn't make it better for us to understand, but this is something we're waiting on. And so while we wait for God to make everything right or us to go to God, there, he's going to talk about here in Romans 8, starting in verse 18, he's going to talk about three glorious groans. Creation, mankind, and the Holy Spirit. And we need to understand this because let's just be real here. There's a ton of things in life, if you live long enough, they're going to make you groan. They're going to hurt you. But you need to groan with hope. Verse 18, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That word consider means calculate, think about. Okay? Why, why do Christians suffer? Why do we groan? Not trying to be political at all. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle anybody's on. The Taliban does not like Christians. Muslims do not like Christians in the extreme. And so our brothers and sisters that are in Afghanistan that we need to pray about are facing some really hard things, and the least of those would probably be death, and I'm not making light of it, the how they die and who dies with them. And those are, those are things we ask the question, why, why do Christians suffer? Why do we groan? And so can, we need to consider this, and we need to think about it, and, and we need to compare the immediate suffering to the coming glory. See, it's a life from the pit of hell. We're in a fallen world. We all have a sin nature to struggle with. So good people, and again, like I said a couple of weeks ago, everybody's bad and then there's Jesus, so we all are sinners saved by grace if we choose Christ. We're going to suffer. I'm not making light of it. I don't like it when my brothers and sisters suffer. But some reason, somehow, we've been sold that if we come to Christ, everything's going to be good. How's that going for you? So, we need to, when, when we are faced with things that make us groan, we need to ask, we need to think about it and settle on our mind, yes, this is a fallen world where people are trying to follow God and they suffer. But God's coming and He's going to make it right. And so while this stinks right now, I will groan with hope that I'm looking for completion in Christ. And so what we're going, uh, so looking for that glory that all will be revealed to us. What we're going through right now is nothing compared to the glory of heaven. And so your first feeling, we groan in hope, we focus on heaven's glory. We are part of the family of God and, and all will be made right. And how do you focus on heaven's glory? You need to be in the Word. You need to be reading the Word. And you need to look at God's promises. And Revelation is one of those. But all through the Bible, he's heading towards, I'm going to make right what happened in Genesis chapter 3. And boy, we're so much further along than those that were in the Old Testament because they were looking towards it. They didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelled in them. The Holy Spirit would come upon them, but when you receive Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. And Jesus has come, and he's lived, and he's died, and he's been buried, and he's rose, and he's going to come again. So we're on the tail end of this. So we need to understand that, you know, people try to talk about the end times. He, he can come right now, and it'll all line up. So I, I want us to understand 
we can't, the devil wants you to focus on what's going on with you right in front of you. We need to focus on the end. Heaven's glory. This is why I keep talking about a biblical worldview. If you're not looking at life through the Bible, then it is chicken little and the sky is falling. So we hear three cries, three groans that remind us. First is the groan of creation. Uh, in verses 19 and 20, uh, 19 through 22. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from the bondage of corruption and attain the freedom of glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. Earthquakes. Disasters. Sweet gum trees, thistles, all these things, I think, I don't care if I'm proven right or wrong, but I think all the bad things that we see in nature, even to the sweet gums and stuff, probably had a better nature than they do now. The fact that most of us that are saying hate snakes and that we're scared of them, but that the adder and the child are going to sit down together, I, I can't even comprehend that. So I want you to understand what we're dealing with. All creation. I mean, the Bible's clear, and I'm not trying to be a fatalist. We need to read the book. We need to go by the book. And the Bible is really clear that we're going to see more of these natural disasters. And we have. And part of Southern Baptists, and you can go online, and, and if you want to go through training, you should. Um, they, they do a lot with disaster relief. And in the last, I would say, 20 years, we're seeing more and more disasters that we're being called out to. Bible's proven itself true. That is creation saying this isn't right. And the birth pains of, of, of futility, creation, uh, universal, waits and looks patiently, waiting, anticipating, eagerly longing for the revealing, the unveiling, the uncovering of Christ's return for his children. Even creation, when you, when you hear of earthquakes and when you hear of disasters and all these things, that is the earth saying it is dying. It was never supposed to be this way, but it's another indicator to say God is coming and he will make this right. New heaven, new earth, futility, futility because of the course of sin um, in the life, waiting, and, it just, and then creation will be set free. It will be liberated from the hold of sin and from slavery and from destruction. And we see that in Revelations 21 verses 4 and 5, no more tears. Won't that be nice? No more suffering. I feel the older I get, the more I cry. And it's not necessarily because something makes me sad. I just become more sensitive to stuff, and I'm okay with that. But can you imagine that? Whether good, bad, or indifferent, no more tears. All of creation is groaning in the pains of childbirth until now. Because, And your next feeling is this. We groan in hope knowing our groaning is universal. Things that make you emotionally, spiritually, physically cry out inwardly or outwardly all around you. Hurricane, earthquakes, this is creation groaning. And so I want you to understand we're not the only one. Uh, uh, God wants to make everything right. And so we, that is the groan of creation. Creation is groaning for the return of God. And then next is the groan of mankind. You see that in verses 23 through 25. 
And let's think of the things that cause us to groan. Financial ruin, broken relationships, personal disasters, illness, death. If you live long enough, you've had those deep sighs. If you've had enough people in your life, there are things that make you groan. Our groaning, our suffering comes from man and not from God. And it's short, it's not eternal. And it's mortal, it's not, again, eternal. But look at verse 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoptions of sons, the redemption of the bodies. So the first fruits of the Spirit is the believer, it's mankind. You're filled with and sealed with the Holy Spirit. So if you've received Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and you, have, and you have to learn to become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And here's how it works. This is why you've got to be reading God's Word and studying God's Word. Not because the pastor tells you. How are you going to know if a spirit is talking to you or if it's the devil? And I say talking, that's not a really proper thing, because I haven't heard the audible voice of God. I've heard God's voice through His written Word, and when I know His Word, the Spirit is going to confirm His Word. But Christians, you need to be in the Word so you know what the Spirit, that it is the Spirit of God impressing upon you and leading you. Being sensitive to the Spirit. And the more we get in tune with the Spirit, what I'm finding more than not, when God impresses upon me something, I probably need to do it. And so... If you're a Christian, you're still with the Holy Spirit. So is the Holy Spirit in the control center of your life or is He in the basement? And so you groan inwardly. You wait eagerly like that kid that's waiting with the bags packed and the adoption papers in hand for the Father to return. What kind of hope? Just a sec here. What kind of hope are we talking about? Look at verse 24 and 25. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We hate that word. In our society today, you don't have to wait for much anymore that long. And if you're waiting for something, you can track it, see right where it's at. And so that doesn't help you to learn to wait. You know, um, This hope saves us. It's not seen. Hope involves faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Second Corinthians, uh, um, I think it's 5-7. We walk by faith, not by sight. It's the definition of hope. Why would you hope for something if you already have it? And so that's where we're at right now. Uh, we hope for what is unseen. And notice the word patience, which means steadfastness, faithfully persevering. It is the characteristic of a man who is not uh, swayed from his deliberate purpose, his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials or sufferings. In other words, it's like a dog that's, the, it's like those uh, police dogs. You don't ever want to be, even if you're the person they're experimenting on, I've never done that, but you know they wear those big suits and stuff. And I'm not saying criminals are, are dumb, but you know what? There's been so many times that police dog, they'll send, it in, they'll send the dog into a tight spot and they'll tell them the dog's coming. And that criminal won't say, okay, <laughs> let's give up. Because boy, when that dog bites down, he's not letting go. And what's interesting about those dogs, if you've if been around a little bit, I don't have one, obviously, but, but 
when, when they're on target, I mean, they're not going to hurt the cop, but you've got to really direct them because they can go for whoever on that. I mean, you're not to be afraid. I'm, I'm not explaining it that well, but they are task-driven, and they will hold on until they're told not to. That's what it means to be faithful, guys. And so many, this is what, you go to Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, we've got a crowd of witnesses that, are cheering, that have gone on before us, that have died, that are in heaven, that are cheering us on. And we don't need to be the weak link in the chains, and suddenly somebody says something bad about a Christian in America, and we just fade into the carpet. Why would anybody that is lost want what we have if we're not holding on to hope? What gospel have you been sold if you're not holding on to hope? And it may be your reputation. It may be whatever. But Christ is worth it. What do, you hope, uh, what, what do we hope in is we, we wait with great anticipation, but with patience, with readiness, preparedness, continuing. We, and it's like, I want you to understand, it's like toiling a field amidst hardships to protect the crop and wait for it to ripen, to preserve and eagerly wait for it. Now, I know most of us are not farmers. Some of you'd like to think you were. Some of you really are. Okay, you may have that garden or whatever, but there's been something in your life that you've toiled on and you spent a lot of time with and you've waited on. Is your faith not worth that? Is the promise of heaven not worth that? You need to understand this is the most important thing in your life and you need to wait on it. You need to hope in it. We groan inwardly. There's a war inside. It's the old self against the new. And we're free to struggle. We don't struggle to be free. But 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. And Galatians 2.20 says, For I've been crucified with Christ. It is now Christ who lives in me. And, and the life I live in the flesh is not for ourselves, but for Christ. Just abbreviating there. But so many times, I mentioned it before, we're like Otis on the Andy Griffin show, and we just walk in and go into the cell and shut the door even though it's unlocked. It's assured expectation. So many times, oh, I can't wait for... Well, how's that about heaven? How's that about God making things right? Right now, we're citizens of another kingdom living in enemy territory. Result, we need to eagerly, uh, we wait eagerly for everything to be made right. That's why we love all these movies where there's ultimate good and ultimate evil, at least I do, and, 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 and some of them are trilogies, and some of them go on for 10 years or whatever, but you're waiting for it to be made right because we've been built inside us that we know and we groan that what's going on in our lives without Christ is not right, and what's going on in this world without God being in control is not right. There's something off. There's something not right. And everybody has a God-shaped hole in their heart that only He can fill. And so, your next film, We Grow in Hope, we patiently endure. We're looking to heaven's glory. We realize everybody's grown in creation. And we patiently endure because why? It's worth it. Let's just get real. Is there anything here? I, I know the power of family, and family is worth it, but if we put our family before our relationship with God, then you just got a family here. You don't have anything for eternity. And so we need to patiently endure. We need to put our hope in things that are going to last. But 
We cannot do this alone. There's the groan of the Spirit. Let's look at verses 26 through 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how or how, we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Man, I've leaned on that a lot. Because there's been a lot of times it's like, God, I don't even know how to say this, but you know. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a full member of the Trinity and God, and we can talk to the Holy Spirit and Jesus and God the Father. And they're three in one, not three gods. I'm a father, I'm a son, and I'm a brother, but I'm just Russell. Different aspects of God. But let's unpackage this for a minute. So he helps us. That means he fills us and seals us and holds us together and empowers us, as Philippians 2.13 says. And a lot of us, we may have a struggle with, with prayer. And your pastor does the same thing. I'll, I'll get in the zone and then I'll get out of the zone. And, and I know the importance of prayer. And we're going to be looking towards some things how corporately we can have times together to pray and help you pray better. But the devil does not want you to talk to God. And the devil does not want you to take the things before the throne of grace. Because there's power in prayer and petition to God. So the Spirit intercedes for us. So I want you to know when you don't know what to say, Holy Spirit, I can't even put in words. And I think we've all been there. I've been there. I hurt so bad. And somebody wanted to know what was wrong. I could not even speak it. But God knows. Groanings. The Spirit groans on our behalf. And he comes. that means he's a, par a paraclete, not a parasite, but a paraclete, which means he comes alongside us to help us endure. And this is the problem. I, I love that I'm a Christian in America, and I love the freedoms that I have. And we need to stand up for those freedoms, because if you look in the Bible, and you look in most countries where the body of Christ is growing, they have hardly any freedoms that we have here in America. And so, while I'm thankful that I have this freedom, we need to understand that for most of our brothers and sisters, where the people are getting saved, they're having to lean into the Holy Spirit to endure some really hard things. Persecution, censorship, death. He comes alongside us to help us endure. To hope, to go forth. The Spirit hears and groans with us and goes to the Father and intercedes for us. I, you know, and you go to Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so what I want you to understand, where there'll be times your brothers and sisters or your pastor will not understand what you're going through. Finish reading through Job. And Job's friends did a great job when they kept their mouth shut and just listened. And then they had to go apologize to Job for opening their mouths because they got God's theology wrong on that one. But the Holy Spirit is there to help you endure even when your friends and family and church can't. And they're all part of your system. The Spirit's purpose in groaning, so look at verse 27. And he searches hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So he searches and he examines our hearts and the core of where we're at. We may be able to put all this facade up for everybody else, but the Holy Spirit gets right in there and knows. This is, what, this is what's interesting to me. I can't tell God that. I'm going to try to do it on my own. Really? 
Like God doesn't already know what's going on with you. So who are you fooling? Yourself. And so you have the Holy Spirit inside you if you know Christ. So why are you not leaning into Him? He searches. He examines. He knows what you're going through. And He intercedes for us, praying with wisdom we don't have. And He groans to, in heaven so we can be united with God. We can be on the same page with God. We can be on the mind of God. And the goal is for us to do the Father's will. But I think a lot of reasons why we don't go to the Holy Spirit when we're praying is we know we're wrong. And if you go to Psalms 139, 23, and 24, search me, O God, know my heart, test me, and know my thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me, and lead me along the road everlasting. I think the problem is, is we are more comfortable with our sin than getting right with God. And that's why a lot of Christians are sitting on the bench, and Satan's happy because they're doing nothing for the kingdom, and they're not dangerous. He searches, he groans, in heaven so we can be on the same page with God. He loves even more than we love ourselves. And He groans with us and for us. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so your last filling here, we can groan in heaven amid suffering because we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Philippians 2.13, if God is working in us, giving us the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. So I know Baptists, I'm a Christian, and I know why I'm a Baptist, but Baptists traditionally have been a little scared of the Holy Spirit. But here's the deal. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings to you up God's Word and impresses upon you, and the Holy Spirit is the one that will empower you. The Holy Spirit is the one that will intercede for you. The Holy Spirit is the one that will guide you. But yet, are you tapping into the Holy Spirit? It's like you're trying to fight this spiritual battle on your own with one arm behind your back, and you can't even do that. I'm talking about myself, too. If God is forced. Just about every time before I come to preach, the verse that is going through my mind is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in my weakness, so the power of God might be glorified in me. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. And hopefully you're not hearing me, but you'll just hear God's Word through the power of the Holy Spirit. Empowered by the Spirit. We've got to stop leaning on ourselves. We've got to stop pulling ourselves up by our spiritual bootstraps. That is not going to happen. It'll happen for a while till something else hits you. And you decide, I'm done with God. I've tried that. I, get, I hear enough of that. Well, I tried God. Did you try Him on your own? Did you grow? If, if we groan right now without God, this is why we need to be sensitive to the lost in this dark world because they have no hope. We have no hope without God. And let's just be real. I've been in some disasters like the Joplin tornado when I worked that, and I've worked other tornadoes as a chaplain in Moore, Oklahoma. In Moore, Oklahoma, I think, let's see, I'm going to say it out loud, and God may ship me there, okay? But, I would think twice about living in Moore, Oklahoma, because I feel like that's a tornado magnet there. Okay, they've had some, at least two, maybe several, really bad tornadoes that shredded everything. So I've been, I've worked a lot of tornadoes in disaster relief. And so Joplin was where we were living at the time. And when I was working that, I was being really careful to say, well, is this really as bad as I think it is? 
And then when other people came in that had worked 9-11 and different things like that, those are different disasters, but you can see the, the death toll and all these thi the things, factors. When they were saying, yeah, this is really bad, I'm just using an example of Joplin, a lot of the ground was lifted up, sifted, and put back down from that tornado. So when they would go through to reclaim the earth, you'd find all sorts of stuff in the dirt. That's how powerful it is. And what I'm trying to say is the lost can't see how bad it is without you, Christian. Everybody's groaning. But the lost are groaning with no hope, and that's where you were. But you have hope. And so what are you groaning in? Despair or hope? Today, this week, you need to grow, know, groan knowing you're part of heaven's glory. Now, some of you may not know Christ as Savior and Lord. We're going to have a time of invitation here in a moment. You need to come talk to me or talk to someone who's solid, receive Christ, because you don't have any hope without God. But I think there's a lot of us Christians today, on a daily basis, Satan's trying to give us gut punches, and we're not focused on God, and so we're not groaning with hope. Um, are you trying to do it all by yourself? Oh, I can handle it. I don't need to share with anybody. Well, I wouldn't share with everybody, but God brought us together as the body of Christ that we confess our sins one another and pray for one another so that we may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Stop trying to do it alone. You have the Holy Spirit. And in this impatient society, how's your endurance? It may be the fact, I can do it, I can handle it. You know what? Why every Sunday, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 comes into my mind and I'm quoting it over again. Because who am I to stand in front of you and tell you anything? I am nothing. And I need the Holy Spirit's power to do anything. When I am weak, He is strong. So the question I have for you today as we stand on our feet and have a time of invitation, we're all groaning. We're not, we're not going to get past that. But are you groaning in hope? Or are you groaning in despair? You can take care of that today and receive Christ as Savior and Lord. But what are you sharing with others? And what are you carrying right now? Are you looking to heaven's glory? Are you realizing everyone else is groaning, waiting for God? Are you patiently enduring, empowered by the Holy Spirit? However you need to obey God today, lay it down and take up your cross and follow Him and know that you will groan, but groan with hope that this is not all there is. Lord, I thank you for this day and I pray however we need to be obedient that we will follow you today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.